0: People who are financially successful, and by that I mean over a million dollars in net worth, not including your house, they leverage their immediate networks more than people who are not wealthy. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to raise money or do a business deal or something else, most people are like, I don't know anybody, who am I going to go to? Rather than thinking about who's right around them, who's my neighbor, who's in my spiritual center, who's at the whatever down the street, who's at my gym, like- there are people really in your backyard who can make a huge difference.
1: Welcome to the Founders Journey podcast. Inspiration, education for founders, by founders. Hi, welcome back to the Founders Journey podcast. Um, here with Peter Dean, my uh, my co-host, who had a big week this week on uh, on his side with his son winning the what, Peter, the New York State Junior Golf Championship.
2: Yeah, you're not supposed to talk about that.
1: Oh, I'm talking about <laughs> it. It's a big it's a big deal. It was a big deal.
2: it was pretty cool. Yeah, I couldn't be there. I had to travel for work, which is unfortunate. But um, I landed and they live streamed the last shot, and that's where he won at the, on the 18th hole of the three day tournament. So. Uh, I got to see that.
1: All right. Well, keep watching Kellen Dean if you're uh, if you're in the golf, <laughs> the PGA tour pretty soon. But, uh, but, uh, but glad to get back. Is um, today we're uh, we're sitting down with uh, with Jennifer Openshaw. Uh, Jennifer is an innovator. She's an author. She's a financial leader, wow. uh, really, with a passion around empowering women and driving digital education. Something we're saying as we uh, got into it today, Peter and I. It's something. Both near and dear to our hearts, as uh, the dads of uh, of two college age uh, young women who are uh, who are about to enter the workforce, both entrepreneurial in their own way, and uh, with um, Jen has a really impressive background in the uh, financial industry as a money expert for KCBS. Is that that's LA, right? I think Jen? it is. All right, and uh, and really around. Uh, building expertise of wealth and uh, women's financial empowerment. So uh, today, Jen is actually the CEO of an organization called Girls With Impact. It's a one of a kind entrepreneurship program that we're going to be talking a lot about today. And really through that program, uh, Jen's really paving the way for young girls to ascend to the top and become leaders in their respective fields and really help unlock the potential of young women and build next generation of uh, of talent. So really, um, really thrilled to have you here today and appreciate you
0: uh, joining us, Jen. It's great to be here. And, you know, Peter, interesting you talk about golf because we actually had a Girls With Impact graduate who designed a whole uh, caddy training business for young women to bring more of those young women into the whole business of golf. So there you have it, you know, changing That's the great. course. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, i we. Kellen's been exposed to some really good, really high-level uh, female golfers. Uh, one of his closest friends is ranked in the
0: top twenty in awesome. the country,
2: and always battles with Kellen every day uh, when they train. So it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Well, it's a big business, right? And uh, you know, w- women athletes are getting so much more attention. But it's been so interesting to see this—you know—sixteen-year-old who actually is a very good golfer. In Mm -hmm. school, now design this business because she's like, "Hey, there should be um, more women in the business of golf." So, just a great example, Greg, of 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 something that we're doing early on is kind of turning turning it on its head so that these young women um, not only create these very cool ventures, but you know, role models for that next generation.
1: Love that, and you know, so it it, as I mean, that's just a great place to start with this, right? So. You're running Girls With Impact and um, it, you know, love if you could just share your perspective on you when you're talking about the importance of empowering young girls with, you know, with entrepreneurial skills, with leadership qualities. How how do you believe really that you're going to that the, the impact that Girls With Impact, you could actually say it that way, um, is actually shaping their future, and really contributing to that, you know, to a kind of a broader, more diverse business landscape.
0: Well, I I think we all know that when we train people earlier, there's a payoff. And it's just been almost mind boggling to see the payoff that we're seeing with these young women, because even women who are in the workplace, it's something like 60% of them don't see themselves as leaders. Um, When girls are 13 or so, they lose about 30% of their confidence. And that has a trickle effect in so many ways, right? The risk that they take, the jobs, all sorts of things. And so what we're doing pretty young, as early as 14 and as high as 24, is helping them to think like a business leader and bring an idea to life. And in the process of that, lead them to kind of rethink of how they view themselves and to open up new possibilities. And we are seeing these women get double and triple full ride offers to college. The colleges don't see women with this kind of business background, so they're putting them into the honors program we've got some of these young women are actually building out their ventures. Um, we've got one at uh, Johns Hopkins building out a very cool VR solution for children with autism. But, um, you know, we've put about 10,000 through the program, but the truth is we've just scratched the surface, which is why we're. I'm really excited to be talking to you guys. Because, you know, it's uh, when you look at the whole economy, there's McKinsey put out a number that if women were fully participating in the economy globally, it would have a 28 trillion dollar impact. That's huge—28 trillion dollars—and that's from their definition. It's the difference of the status quo of mostly men in the workforce versus bringing women into it. And so, it's a huge opportunity for all of us and your daughters, and nieces, and granddaughters. And you know, if we end up being alone in our life, which is the, the sad statistic for women that we're more able to take care of ourselves and. Oh, so, so many ways of, that it uh, trickles down.
1: Yeah, that's such a you know w- one of the things you just mentioned there that I think is is so interesting about what you're doing is that age group between that eight to fourteen year old age group, right? And you mentioned that statistic about the thirty percent decrease in confidence. It seems like this is an area where if you can if you can find that that. Young girl earlier and re- that it can really make a profound difference on the trajectory of their life at that point when they're at that kind of most vulnerable stage. Right. When they're when sort of that adolescent confidence issues is really starting to creep up.
0: Yes. You know, we, we had a young woman who was in our pilot about eight years ago. And she said that she used to sit in the back of the classroom. And, you know, we all, if we weren't like that, we all knew somebody, right? Sure. And she said like three weeks into the program, she said, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel powerful. But another year later, uh, she had a very interesting venture idea, which was in the middle of all this talk around immigration. And and anyway, so we said, hey, it's time to bring this idea to life. We did. She did. We got international news. And then another year later, she was a applying- college. And she said, you know, I couldn't afford my first choice school. My my mom's mouth was dropping at $60,000. So I went to my second choice school, showed them my Girls with Impact Venture. She said the next day they called me into the guidance office, handed me a $20,000 check, put me into the honors program. Another two years later, she got an internship at BlackRock, one of the world's leading financial institutions. And now she got the job. That's the game changer. It's just, it's gigantic. Right, and if you stop and think too, if you're somebody of color or don't have the financial means, it is really easy to be left behind. So we bring this program at zero cost to them and their families. So, you know, costs us about a thousand dollars to put a young woman through the program, but you can see the payoff in so many ways. Right, we have better talent for our companies, our communities. They're working. They're they're more ready to go into an internship. Where and where we're going, folks, is we're trying to now connect them to uh, companies who uh, priority to those who are partnering and supporting us, um, so that they're tapping this talent that they're you know so looking for.
2: Yep, that's really that's really cool. So there's a scary statistic out there that um, we looked at, and it's only two percent of funding recipients. Um, 2% of all funding last year in 2022 was to female solo entrepreneurs. That is scary low, like, especially for someone that has been supporting this growth community for a long time. Um, and we, Greg and I actually work with uh, a female solo entrepreneur and, um, she's amazing. What would you recommend to like other female founders in kind of tackling that? problem like
0: you know that's such such a big one peter and, and yeah. that that two percent really hasn't changed over a decade yeah. and if you're black like it's like a half a percent it's abysmal and i do think it is partly of it's a network it happens to be an old boys network but yeah. you know I, I think it's human nature that people work with people they know and you know when i look at People I've seen women founders who've gotten funding—they tend to come from the most elite colleges. really right. Again, it's the network and the, and and so you know I I want to shake up the VC industry because yeah. uh, and have them support something like we do and create that pipeline. Um, you know that's one of the things that we're trying to do. I, I sometimes wonder about a policy change or something because you know in California what they did is they passed a new law that uh, 50% of all publicly traded boards have to be comprised of female members mm-hmm. on that board. And I don't know, it's it's a tough one, right? Because it's really hard to break in. Um, one way to get over it if you're a female founder is to partner with somebody who um, has a very strong certain pedigree or has taken a company public or has mm-hmm. raised capital. That's a really smart idea, right? And there's lots of... Well, not a lot, but there are a lot more women who have now started some very interesting companies, big name companies. Absolutely. Um, so there's definitely some strategies around that. Who you recruit to your founders team really important, and I've I've seen it done. Um, it's not easy, but it's definitely doable.
1: It's an interesting point, right? And one of the things I've kind of I've heard you mention a couple times now is this importance of that network, right? And that that support network is that an area that you could that your organization that grows with back can really help with because i know i mean that's that that's an issue not only for female founders it's an issue for anybody trying to break into you know when we say the old boys network of venture and private equity it's i would say you would say it's more elitist than that right it's 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 the old ivy league
0: yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, boys that work. piece of
0: the times. Yes. It is. You know, I think one thing that I'm definitely hearing, I've been hearing about this over the last year. We've been working with some of these kinds of hedge funds and, and investment firms is they are getting pressure from their investors. To be committed to diversity, it's definitely an issue they have to pay attention to. So that's one of the ways we, you know, we say, hey, um, we can help you with that. Um, But back to the network, we are doing that. We are really trying to keep these women networked Mm -hmm. because they're a pretty powerful network. When you just look at the couple examples I shared earlier, women at Johns Hopkins doing VR, join me yeah. at the Michigan conference. This woman at BlackRock, it's huge. I want to keep them net, networked so that they'll sure. support the organization as we, we yeah. grow become successful. Um, so yeah, that's something that we're definitely uh, saying to our young women because one of the things that I've heard is that next generation women, so when I say that, you know, Gen Z is another way of describing them. I'm talking about people who are roughly 15 to... 30 or so, 27, they don't have a lot of go-to places for network and support, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly if they're of color or particularly if they didn't go to an Ivy League school. So we, again, are trying to do that network for them. And we're doing, we have a, Level Up Boardroom Program, where they can uh, get upskilling, hear from top business leaders across the country, stay connected, do an annual reunion, and those sorts of things. And so, our hope is just to continue to building that out, and and we want philanthropic support to enable us to do that.
1: Yep. If you have a female founder, right, or you know somebody looking for a career in corporate America where they want to start, they want to start to develop that network, and they're not in your program. What what advice do you give? somebody to to start to make those connections at a, you know, reasonable age,
0: right, where they could start to have an impact? Well, there's um, two big things I like to talk about. One is based off some research I did when I was in Silicon Valley. So when I was in Silicon Valley during the boom of the internet days, and let me remind everybody, I came from like the other side of the tracks. I was raised by a single mother. I put myself through school, three colleges because of money. It was not easy. When I was in Silicon Valley, you know, I got lucky. I was in the middle of the, the gold rush, so to speak. So it was much easier to raise money. And I had an interesting, you know, business idea. And I found myself around some pretty heady VC people. And after I sold that company, I thought, you know, how how do these, it's mostly guys, but how do they all really do it? So I did some research and what I found, and it's kind of sounds simplistic, but most people don't really do it. People who are financially successful, and by that I mean over a million dollars in net worth, not including your house, they leverage their immediate networks more than people who are not wealthy. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to raise money or do a business deal or something else, most people are like, I don't know anybody, who am I going to go to? Rather than thinking about, Who's right around them? Who's my neighbor? Who's in my spiritual center? Who's at the whatever down the street? Who's at my gym? Like there are people really in your backyard who can make a huge difference. And and I would like to think I'm a very good networker. Uh, The other thing is to not eat lunch alone. Um, If you're looking for help, like people are pretty open to grabbing coffee and offering advice to you. Do that. You will hone your own... Conversational skills, you will always gain something, some insight, um, and also be open to feedback and input from people. I think young people are—they t- tend to be closed to that. They're not open. They don't ask for it. I would encourage you to be humble, um, and you know you can reach out to people, including your net- your uh, alma mater. A lot of people forget about their alma mater. I use my alma mater all the time, including for this role. Mm -hmm. A lot of our instructors are from the business school that I went to, one of the top in the country. I'm fortunate for that. But you know, we reach out elsewhere. I use them to get to who I want to go. So that goes back to my book, some of the philosophies. So number one is uh, leverage your home zone, the people right around you in your home network. And remember that those people can help you get to who you want to get to that you may not know now.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because Greg and I have talked about this before with multiple guests, not being afraid to reach out to just someone, right? Like I was surprised as an early entrepreneur years ago when I reached out to some kind of premium CEOs to ask questions and they gave me the time. Like they they didn't know me from Adam. They're super happy to talk and, you know, put me on the calendar for at least 15 minutes. Yeah. You, you, you never know. There, yeah. people are willing to help for sure.
0: And so. So, some people are not, by the way, I think there are just some people who is just not yeah. in the brain to give back, which is always frustrating to me, but you made a good point, Peter, which is to be conscientious of other people's time. If you're with a CEO, I'm like, every second is precious to that person. It is to me. Um, 15 minutes, 10 minutes of your time, you know, a quick cup, of cup of coffee, make it easy for them and do, do the work and make it super easy for them. I do think it's really important when you're reaching out to somebody cold to find a way of connecting with them because you really are very likely to get a delete if they don't see any connection. So, yeah. hey, I saw that you wrote that, or you know, uh, I know we haven't met, but uh, you know my neighbor who also went to blah, blah, blah school or something. There's usually a way you can come up with yeah. to make a, a connection. I see you have a daughter, she went to my so-and-so school or something. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Love what you did. People always love a compliment, right? Absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know. So you're you're very much an entrepreneur in your own right, right? We're talking about how you're helping inspire this next generation of entrepreneurs and and female business leaders, but you're you're very much an entrepreneur in your own right with the things you've done. Is it true your first entrepreneurial endeavor was like a cookbook for for politicians? Is that true? <laughs>
0: I I was that's wow that I I went to my third undergraduate college all because of money folks yep not by choice but was UCLA which ended up being fantastic and I figured that I wanted I wanted at the time to go into broadcast journalism and I thought getting government experience was important and I so I I Planned to go through their internship program, and I did. I interned at CNN, but I became an officer of that program, and one and that role I played was the fundraising director. So I was able to start any initiative, and they already had uh, you know maybe seven of them that were already running throughout the year to raise money. So I managed those, plus I could add on. And one of the ones that I added on was this cookbook of politicians' recipes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love that. <laughs> it's good.
2: Cool. Talk about networking.
0: Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I know that. I think they continued that for a while and you know, it was, it was, it was fun. I love the idea of, of bringing something to life. And sometimes, you know, the easier ideas can be more successful than the more complicated. I mean, it is not easy. I do think the skills that you learn though are just so useful and in going into a traditional work environment particularly because they're more focused on an entrepreneurial mindset, people who can work together, get yep. stuff done. That's the biggest thing I hear. Can mm-hmm. you get stuff done? And so if you're looking even for your first job, the reason I think our program is so helpful, one of the reasons is that you can go into an internship or a job and say, you know, I did a business plan. I know a SWOT is. I I know what value proposition is. I looked at your, you know, yep. and you're, you're, I, it just changes the game in how people look at you.
2: Absolutely. I would definitely say that. I know that even a lot of schools aren't teaching that stuff that you just mentioned. And those are skills that you have to have, right? And it's it's kind of scary.
0: The surveys show that employers, 60% of employers say that new hires lack the basic skills they need. Things like communicating, collaborating, uh, being agile. And so We've connected those up with our program um, to try to kind of check that box and help these women to, to land securely.
1: Absolutely. So what, Jeff, what was the origin story behind Girls With Impact? How, like, what inspired you to, to start this? What was kind of the impetus for you to say, this is something I need to I need to go do now? I mean, you've had a, you had a successful career before that. You, you know, you started another business and exited that. What, what kind of got your mind going in this direction?
0: I felt like, really going back, I felt like people come out of high school and it's like walking off a cliff. Yep. And it is still true to that day, including for my husband. He, it, abysmal, abysmal. And you were so not prepared. Years ago, I did focus groups with families for young men and women, boys and girls, on this very issue. And, and you know what family doesn't care about their child's success? The truth is, I, I tried to start this for young men and women boys and girls. I took it a number one charter school in East LA. I put 75,000 of my own money into building this. I was working full time. Principal wanted me to roll it out after a pilot and nobody was funding this. And I went to a very top executive in LA and he wouldn't give me $15,000. And so I was just exhausted at the time. I put it on the shelf, but I knew I had something. And so literally 15 years later, and I don't share this story, that backstory very often, but I think it's very interesting. You know, I knew I had something all the time. You'd hear about digital learning and all this. And so many years later, I was working for a major, you know, consulting firm in the HR space. I I was leading their research platform called When Women Thrive Businesses Thrive. Mm-hmm. And we were in Davos at the World Economic Forum unveiling our report before a bunch of CEOs. You know, the focus was on why were there not more women in leadership positions? And I thought, you know, it's really hard to change corporate America because one of the reasons they're not is the corporate environment and the reasons that Girls With Impact exist. There's not a lot of women at the top, very few role models, all of that. And so I said, you know, gosh, maybe if we focus on the next generation and train them better, that's a better place to start because that's really the root of the problem. And they need these skills anyways. And But I'm not going to start at this time unless somebody funds me. So I <laughs> that's how I started. I came up with the name. I developed a new pitch deck, a whole new brand. I got a community foundation near us to fund us. And somebody else, 50000 was all I started with. And I started with like, you know, 10 girls to 100 to 400. And, and there you have it. That's how I did it.
1: Wow, it's amazing. It sounds like you know in a lot of ways. You see this a lot with startups, right? The 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 idea germinates for a long time, and then all of a sudden, that kind of nexus of things start to occur. Where I think, especially with something like this, sort of the societal mindset needs to start to get there, and then you add that nexus with digital the acceleration of digital learning, and now where you can actually start to do cohort training and things like that, just much easier, right? you know, online, it becomes an easy thing to start to do at scale.
0: Yes, it does. There's definitely still challenges. I mean, there's, we, we did it online because we wanted it to be, or I wanted it to be cost efficient, scalable, and very data and outcomes driven. And that's uh, been true. But I wanted to go back to something about, you know, starting and, and being a founder. Because one of the things that's been helpful along the way is, um, I'm a believer in sort of like you know, signs uh, or affirmation, things that confirm that you're in the on the right path. I've right. been in my life before, not on the right path, and you know, I knew when I met my husband that put me on the right path, and I I knew it in my gut. I've known in my gut that I'm on the right path with this because even since the earliest days and to this day, there'll be little things. I mean, I have challenges all the time, like people do. But there'll be things that just, I just know, like the first graduation we had, I was like, my mouth was dropping. I knew instantly that we had something nobody else had. I was watching them pitch their ventures for a 911 one touch from a cell phone. You know, I mean, that's at at like 16, 17 years old. And so I, I knew I had something and I've had those sort of nuggets of confirmation all along. You know, and it's just, it's great. It's just so great. And being at the forefront and having these um, trends certainly back us has been helpful, but we're still waiting for the Mackenzie Bezos to uh, pay attention. Right? <laughs> well, see what we can do. About that. I
1: don't know <laughs> that they listen to our podcast, but, uh, but or that she listens to our podcast, but we can, uh, we can say hopefully, uh, hopefully this will help. <laughs> uh, before we start to wrap up, uh, Jenna, I think just, you know, sort of general advice, right? Uh, the, this podcast is obviously, it's called The Founder's Journey. It's very focused on startup founders of all stripes. Right. And, um, you know, male, female, diverse, all kinds of industries and things like that. You've, you've started multiple businesses. You've been successful in multiple businesses. What advice do you think give me based on your own, your own time of starting this startup? Right. Uh, what advice would well, you give Well,
0: what is, you know, I think the biggest thing, and I remember when I started my very first startup, uh, uh, an experienced venture capital guy I said, you know, your your people are your greatest assets. And when I was in Silicon Valley, because it was a gold rush, I was rushing along with everybody else. And, you know, I was rushing to hire people and, and you know, at times didn't make always the, the best decision, but... Today, it's really important. I mean, in the early days, and I still do, like, I do all pieces, but I'm very conscientious of people who either complement my weaknesses, you can't do everything. And as I build this, thinking about the right kind of people and tapping into my network and really thinking, in our case, um, diversity in in experience, in thought, in roles, in gender, like, I want it all for this because of what we do and sometimes you have to, you have to pace it out. You know, today, my team is different than it was five years ago, but I know even when I was very cash strapped, I was very intentional about certain things. I knew I was making certain decisions because it's not worth my time right now, given our size, you know, you you just have to make those, but I'm much more intentional as maybe I might've been 20 or 30 years ago. I think that's important I am a list and a checkbox person every day. I think keeping your eye on the big ball all the time, like what are the three to five big moves that'll move your business and keep those in front of you on a piece of paper or revisit them once a month with your team or yourself. I think it's very, and I tell my team this, it's very easy to get caught up in minutia all the time. Very easy. And this, by the way, goes if you work for a big company. And I think that's, you know, there was one particular job I had that I really enjoyed where I went into there and I said, you know, I'm going to focus on like up to three big moves. And I was, you know, some of it was a little luck, but I hit one or two of those like out of the park and it really can make your business, make your reputation, all of that. So focus on the really big things that'll move you forward and, um, you know, a team that complements and supplements what, what you're good at.
1: People and prioritization, right? those are the uh, yeah yep that's uh that's great that's great
2: greg and i actually talk about that a lot we've been getting together um you know throughout our years as good friends and having someone as a mentor on your side knowing what's happening but it got down to like kind of what are your big things and we always help each other go let all that other stuff go away just focus on this yeah um so you're absolutely right it's super helpful.
1: Well, your point about the, you know, getting caught up in minutia, right? Whether you're starting a, you know, an organization like yours, you're starting a tech startup, you're starting a whatever it is, right? It's, it's just so easy, I think, as you start to build these businesses to just get so tied up in all the little details that you'll, you'll never, you know, there. what one of the things that, you know, we've written about a lot and talked about a lot is, you know, that I think the challenge of a founder is trying to figure out, what actually matters, right? If, if I look back on my career, and, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, but if I look back on my career, there's there's probably two or three decisions I've ever made in my entire career that have actually mattered in a big way, right? And the rest is all kind of noise that gets in there and just trying to figure out how do you stay focused on those on those really big things to give yourself a space.
0: And the truth is you have to do the minutiae to get sure. the organization where it is, right? If it's having it done by a certain time, I'm somebody who tries to do the hard stuff first, including in my day, which I heard Jeff Bezos does too, yeah. mm-hmm. Like, because you feel better that you've gotten the hard thing out of the way, right? Yep. Or chop it up into smaller pieces and time it out when you're going to get that done.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I would said before, this is something that's, you know, is really near, dear to our hearts. I think it's a, uh, I think, you know, it's amazing what you're doing and thrilled to have you on here. What what help do you need, right? For somebody listening and and is saying, hey, I'd love to get involved. Like, really, what do you need right now where somebody can be most impactful for you?
0: There's two main things. One is more students and they can, anybody can register for the program at girlswithimpact.org um you'll see the schedule we are now recruiting for the fall we offer programs year round so just think of us like a mini college we describe it as a mini MBA but mm-hmm. online yep. you can do it from any place uh so girlswithimpact.org so nephews your workplaces partner with companies like nestle a uh, us bank um shea moisture just some great names large and small they might want to bring it um Uh, as a partner, to engage their employees who can serve as mentors once they go through our main business academy. So bringing students into the program, mentors, we're always looking for more mentors. If you go online, you'll also see that under uh, how to get involved. And then we're always looking for funding because we can't do what we do without uh, support. And we're now... Um, really trying to engage with philanthropists at a higher level. There's naming opportunities to small opportunities, like sponsoring a, a school or an alma mater in your, uh, you know, region where you grew up. Really some wonderful opportunities.
1: That's great. So girlswithimpact.org, right? Um, we'll put it in the show notes uh, and really, uh, really do appreciate you being here. Genesis, is great. Look forward to following um. the progress for the you know, for the future here and, um, and certainly encourage anybody listening that uh, is even curious about getting involved to to jump in and uh, and try to try to get involved with a, uh, with a, with a great mission here. So um, thanks again.
0: Thank you so much. Greg. Thank you for what you do. Uh, thank it's you. It's super important. Thank you Absolutely. so much. And uh, we will be in touch and uh, here's to impact guys.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.